If you're listening to this, then you likely already know that being an independent musician can be a lonely road. And maybe your friends and your family just don't fully understand why you do what you do or why you invest so much time, energy, and, and money towards achieving your music goals. And especially early on, it can be hard to find people who really understand what you're trying to accomplish and how to make it happen. Uh, so that's where Modern Musician comes in. My name is Michael Walker, and you know I can understand and relate to that feeling. I've been there myself, and so has our team of independent artists. And the truth is that basically everything good in my life has been the result of music. It's the reason I met my wife. It's why I have my three kids. It's how I met my best friends. And now with Modern Musician, we've seen so many talented artists who started out with a dream, with a passion, but without really a fan base without a business and be able to take that and turn it into a sustainable full-time career and be able to impact hundreds of thousands, even millions of fans with their music. And we've had thousands of messages from artists who told us that we've helped change their lives forever. And it just gets even more exciting and fulfilling when you're surrounded by a community of other people who get it and who share their success and their knowledge with each other openly. And so if you are feeling called to make your music a full-time career and to be able to reach more people with your music, then I want to invite you to join our community so that we can support your growth and help lift you up as you pursue your musical dreams. You'll be able to interact in a community with other high-level artists, coaches, and industry professionals, as well as be able to participate in our daily live podcasts, meet these amazing guests, and get access to completely free training. If you'd like to join our family of artists who truly care about your success, then click on the link in the show notes and sign up now. But that's how many you can potentially get off of YouTube. That's how many people you can have watch your band and see what you're doing on a daily basis. It's crazy the amount of numbers that you would see there compared to how you would get famous or a fan base 20 years ago by just going out and playing shows. Like they're, they're just numbers that are they're untouchable any other way. And <laughs> it's just like it's 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 insane to like ignore that possibility. And again, it's not like you know, we're the best band in the world. We're not super special. We're just a small town band that decided that we were going to go, you know, full bore into this and start making videos on a regular basis. It's easy to get lost in today's music industry with constantly changing technology and where anyone with a computer can release their own music. But I'm going to share with you why this is the best time to be an independent musician and it's only getting better. If you have high quality music, but you just don't know the best way to promote yourself so that you can reach the right people and generate a sustainable income with your music, we're going to show you the best strategies that we're using right now to reach millions of new listeners every month without spending 10 hours a day on social media. We're creating a revolution in today's music industry, and this is your invitation to join me. I'm your host, Michael Walker. All right, I'm excited to be here today with Ryan Kryshak. Ryan is one of our platinum artists at Modern Musician, and he is a, a genius at what he does. And I'm <laughs> super excited for you uh, to be here today because he's going to share how he's gotten over 500 million views on his band's YouTube channel. And 500 million, like half a billion um, i just like to sit with that for a second and kind of wrap wrap my head around that there's like what six or seven billion people on the earth and half a billion views um you know that i've, that I've seen your videos pretty dang awesome so uh ryan you know congratulations on your success and uh, thank you so much for being so humble and like and open with coming on here live to share some of the lessons uh, that you've learned because i think it's really going to help benefit a lot of artists who are here in our community to be able to use the platform of YouTube to be able to share who they are and share their music and reach more people with that. Yeah, I'm excited, dude. 
it's uh, like my favorite thing to talk about this stuff because, you know, in my small town, you know, we don't get to go to other YouTubers houses and, and BS about YouTube. You know what I mean? It's just the, the few of us that are here. So um, I really, really enjoy like, you know, trying to be as transparent as possible about what it's like to be in this space and, you know, make it a, a career for yourself. Amazing. Yeah, it is. It is really special what we have here with this community and being able to just be in a space where you're surrounded by musicians who are on a similar wavelength as you. And uh, it kind of reminds me of Mr. Beast. Uh, I heard him do an interview once where he was talking about how part of the reason he became Mr. Beast and he you know, built one of the most successful YouTube channels was because of uh, little mastermind groups that he did where he met with other people and just like focused on this stuff over and wow. over again. Probably had a lot of conversations like about what we're about to have like today. Yeah. Um, so to kick things off, you know, I'd love to, uh, hear your story of how you started, uh, on YouTube and how you know, eventually you found your way to you know, building the platform and, and reaching 500 million views. Yeah. So going back, I was in an original band and that original band needed money. So we started a cover band to be able to like kind of raise money to record our albums. So instead of, you know, coming out of our own pockets and our own paychecks, we were like, let's start another band that makes money and then can fund this original thing. So I think a lot of people don't necessarily go into making covers as being like, I'm going to be the greatest cover artist ever. Most of the time, it's just a, it's a conduit. It's a way to get to where you want to get to. And for, I think, most artists, it's they want to be an original musician and, uh, yeah, so that was kind of where it started, um, is I started making like rock covers of Kesha and Lady Gaga songs, and we would play them like in the, the bars and stuff like that. And then um, I actually had the idea to start putting these covers on YouTube, which was like in 2009. And uh, everyone in my band was like, you can't make money off of YouTube. You know, these aren't <laughs> our songs. You know, what's the point of putting them there? It's not going to do anything for us. So they kind of talked me out of it. And that was like the first in a few roadblocks of people telling me, you can't do this or you shouldn't do this. So I put it on, you know, the back burner for a while. And 2009 was like the infancy of YouTube. And it was like, you know, just getting started, especially with musicians. And, you know, if we would have continued on doing what we were doing at that point, we would be millionaires <laughs> like a, a thousand <laughs> times over. Let's put a cover on YouTube of one of the most popular songs that was at the time. It was a 21 Pilots song, Heathens. And then we put that up there to be like, hey, we're going to be playing you know, Warp Tour, so come to our stage. And then that video just got millions and millions of views. And it got people to our stage, but it just lived on much, you know, much beyond what we uh, originally intended it for. And then we were like, all right, maybe we should do this all the time to gather fans to you know then point them to our original music again and and it just kept working <laughs> mm. super smart yeah what it reminds me of is we talk a lot about this idea of tour hacking and like virtual tour hacking and in a nutshell you know with our band how we you know, built our fan base originally was by walking up to fans or waiting in lines for shows and introducing ourselves and sharing some of our music and you know, now we teach artists how to do that online and how to you know, essentially get their music in front of people who are fans of similar bands and start having conversations with them. And, 
you know, that as a strategy, like at, at its core, its essence is really basically the same thing that you've discovered with, you know, YouTube and with doing these, these cover songs, it's, it's a way to connect with this existing audience of people that understand or are familiar with something and, you know, to be able to provide something new and something fresh for them. Yeah. I would love to hear you know, a little bit about your overall mindset and sort of thought process around why is it valuable, you know, to focus for anyone who here, who here, who is a musician, who maybe, maybe their intention is that they do want to build a fan base with their original music. And they might be wondering, um, why should I be recording cover videos on YouTube or, or why should I be using YouTube in the first place? I'd love to hear your mindset in terms of yeah. that question. So it's kind of like what you were saying, you were going around and you were putting headphones on people in the line. Because the hardest part, you know, there's so many artists out there. But if you can just stick a set of headphones on somebody, they can be like, Oh, now I understand what this is. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? But like, an album cover and saying, you know, go check out my band, we're called this, you know, it just doesn't, it doesn't ring true with anybody. So I, I made up this analogy the other day, where it's like, I don't know if you've ever been to like a sandwich shop. And it's like they name their their sandwich like the Vincent Van Gogh or something like they name it some sort of weird name. But really, it's like it's a buffalo chicken sandwich. But like <laughs> if you just looked at that menu board and you just saw the Vincent Van Gogh, the Michelangelo, the whatever, you'd be like, I don't know what any of these are. And that's like what you're looking at when you're just looking at a bunch of band names. It's like on a show flyer or, you know, in the around town section of your newspaper. Like, what band am I going to go see? All you get is a bunch of names. Mm. So it's kind of like, you know, you putting those headphones on, then people are like, oh, this is a buffalo chicken sandwich. I like those. You know mm. what I mean? They, they make that mm. connection with something that they're familiar with. And with covers, it's kind of like you can say, go check out my band. We're this, you know, whatever. But like if if you play a song that they're familiar with, if you play that 21 Pilots song, they're like, I like 21 Pilots. This band plays 21 Pilots. I mm -hmm. like this band now. There's like that connection is now made where it's like, you know, you have to step from I like 21 Pilots to I like, you know, my or whatever my band's name is, first to 11. So you have to bridge that gap somewhere. You have to make that that connection of this is a buffalo chicken sandwich. If you like buffalo chicken, mm -hmm. you'll like us. So mm. I think that's the thing that that covers do is that I have so many artists that are amazing, but, you know, trying to connect with the fans in that region or across the world that like that type of music, you've got to you got to give them that stepping stone or else they're just you're never going to find them. And it's just like mm. looking at that menu board of sandwiches that you don't you don't know what they are. So mm -hmm. you've just got to, you've got to explain what it is a little bit better. So yeah, that's the value in it is, is that it's just, you, you create something familiar to people and then give them that stepping stone and, and bridge the gap between what they know and what they love and what you do and what you love. Mm. Super smart. I love that analogy, the uh, buffalo, buffalo chicken. <laughs> yeah. As you're describing that too, I just was just imagining the, I've heard this in a lot of different ways and it's sort of like a philosophical question, but you know, the difference between actually tasting the apple versus describing the apple or talking about it or theorizing about it. Sure, really, yeah. There is, there is a, a profound difference between you describing your music and saying the name of it and what it sounds like versus actually like giving them something that they can experience and yeah. understand directly. 
And it sounds like what you're saying is that you know, cover songs are a great way to really provide that experience and bridge the gap. So the people who don't understand who you are or don't mm-hmm. have something to connect with are able to really experience it and understand it and have a, a stepping stone towards connecting with your original music. Mm-hmm. And it's like awesome. they can see what you look like. They can see how you act. You know, they can they they get so much more information out of watching you play something that they're familiar with. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it just makes it so much faster. Mm-hmm. Super smart. Yeah, and I can speak from experience too with Paradise Fears. Yeah, we some of our first songs that got over a million views on YouTube were cover songs, and some of our favorite songs to play when we did when we went live or when we performed live were you know we would always try to work in one or two cover songs you know into the set, and a lot of times the people who don't know who you are are that's the song that they really can connect with and they're like oh yeah like I like yeah. this song oh this is a cool cover of it even if they think like oh this band thinks that you know whoever they're covering is cool obviously and i think that they're Mm. cool so they must be cool you know like it Mm. it it makes that that stepping stone on so many different levels but you know like what you're saying i i wanted to mention too that there's so many huge acts that their first song was a cover especially in like the metal world you know i grew up with like limp biscuit and corn and all those bands and they all did covers Mm. limp biscuit's first cover was or first song that they made it, you know, mainstream with was uh, the George Michael cover. And, you mm. know, then they go on and they show people their original music and it's amazing. And, mm. you know, there's so many people that their their breakthrough or their icebreaker, you know, into the mainstream was a was a cover song. And I think that, you know, unfortunately, and I'd like to try and, you know, bust through that a little bit today, is that a lot of people just they feel like it's dirty, like, like they, it's like, mm. it's cheating or like, it's not, mm. you know, respectable to, to do a cover and become famous that way, or, mm. you know, gain fans that way. But, you know, another analogy that I came up with was like running a marathon is, is impressive. You know what I mean? Like not a lot of people can run a marathon. And the analogy is becoming successful as a musician is like, not a lot of people can do that. And becoming successful as a musician is like the equivalent of, you know, finishing that marathon and doing it on just your original content is like running a marathon with a weighted vest on. It's like, Mm. it's a, it's a handicap in a way. Now, if you said I ran a marathon with a weighted vest on and people would be like, whoa, that's really impressive. But Mm. if you just say I ran a marathon, people are still going to be like, that's impressive. It might not Mm -hmm. be to that level, but it's still impressive. And the Mm -hmm. bad thing, though, is that so many people are trying to run that marathon with a weighted vest on, and they just never finish it. You know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. you can't be like, hey, I tried to run this marathon with a weighted vest on, but I didn't make it. That's Mm -hmm. not very impressive. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. I think that it's like, you know, people want to have this amazing story of how they broke through and became successful on just their original music alone. And it, they just, most of them never make it there, unfortunately. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you can do it with that, like, hey, I ran a regular marathon first, and then I put the weighted vest on, and then, you know, now mm-hmm. that's impressive. It's yeah. just, I think people look at it differently, though. I think they they look at it like, I ran a marathon, you know, if you do covers, it's like, I ran a marathon, but I did it on a bike. You know what I mean? I think they think that it's like... <laughs> just cheating it's not really mm. running a marathon but it is mm. you know like becoming successful is 
is impressive, you know, if you're going to do it as a musician and not a lot of people can mm -hmm. do it. So I, I don't see why people have such a aversion to, to doing covers and just allowing it to be this, this thing that gathers fans and then you can convert them. And it's not like they don't want to be converted either. You know what I mean? It's not like people are like, just play the covers. I don't ever want to hear your original stuff. <laughs> Most of the time they're happy to hear your original stuff. So mm. it's just, it, it makes so much sense to me and it, but it's very difficult for me to convince a lot of people to, you know, believe what I'm saying because it's just so ingrained in your head. Like, Nope, that's cheating. Nope. You have to be just an artist through and through all original content. That's like the mindset of just about everybody. It's crazy, mm. but yeah, yeah. I want to try yeah, and I think, bust that open. I think we can bust today. through that. Yeah. <laughs> I think hopefully let, let me know. And if you're here live, uh, listen to this, let me know if you're, if you're open to you know, using a cover song as a tool to allow you to amplify your reach. And, you know, would you be okay with getting 500 million views on your YouTube channel with the help of using cover songs? And yeah. I think we're gonna have a lot of people who are like, yeah, that, yeah, it's, it sounds like a good, a good tool. As you're describing that analogy, I, I you know, I love analogies. So, you know, you could, you could share, <laughs> if you share like 10 more of those, I'd be so happy. <laughs> what came to mind was another way of looking at it and another like type of analogy for it too, that I think goes, goes in line with what you're saying with the marathon strategy is that we talk a lot about this fan base fire and this idea that, you know, building your audience is sort of like starting a fire and your logs like represent the music and the fuel that you use to start the fire. I've never thought about it this way before, but one way to look at cover songs is it's, it's almost like it's a starter firewood. It's almost like yeah. it's like really flammable, like, like really good kindling. It's like great, great way to easily start the fire. And, you know, once you have the fire going, then now we can like put in some other logs and other things that, you know, aren't necessarily doused in lighter fluid. But man, if you could get started with a, a log that's doused in lighter fluid, it's a great tool. It's a great way yeah. to get started. Yeah, there's yeah. definitely no shame in it. And uh, yeah, so I wanted to just like, you know, you, you hear me talk about this, but I wanted to just like let people know that it's it's real. <laughs> okay. So I have, you know, some screen shares and stuff that I want to pull up and and I want to be, like I said, I want to be as transparent as possible. So a lot of people don't, you know, like to talk about money or whatever, or, you know, their accomplishments, but I'm just going to, we're going to do that for a second. Let, let it because, shine, brother. You know, I think that when I, when I started doing this, I, I was like, I was like everyone else. I was like, I'll never be that guy that gets a million views. That's like people that just get lucky or people that have some sort of, you know, ability beyond what I have. And, you know, I'm, I'm not like any sort of special musician. I'm not particularly good at my instrument or arranging songs or anything. I just stopped listening to like what everyone told me all the time and tried some stuff that I really thought and believed that would work. And it, and it did. So well, I'll show you my channel first. I'll show you what first to 11 does. So we'll just go to like our homepage here. 10.7 million views in the past 28 days. Pretty yeah, awesome. so well, it's it's opened up to this analytics page already. So we're just gonna go with that first. So yeah, <laughs> there's the 10.7 million views in the last 28 days, and you know we've gone up, we've gone down from there. But you know, 28 days, you can see the the curve. It's very, very steady. We get that on a regular basis. And here's some of our top videos. This sweet child of mine video has 60 million views at this point. We did it like four or five years ago. And this is what it gets on a monthly basis. So every 
every month it gets half a million views. So that that song just lives on forever, getting these views. It's already been out for, like I said, four or five years. And it just continues to get that kind of views like regularly. We've gone up 15,000 subscribers in the past month. Our revenue is going to show up really weird because we have we have a company that collects our revenue for us. So all of this is just kind of like what slips through the cracks and gets collected by Google. But yeah, it's it's for the most part, way, you know, way higher than that. And I think so we've got some weird like caveats with with how our revenue comes in. Uh, like I said, we have a company that collects all that sort of stuff for us and we sold part of our catalog about two years ago. So only the, the previous like two years are what we are actually collecting at this point because we sold all of the stuff prior to that. So just from these past two years, we make about 15 or $16,000 per month on streaming revenue and YouTube revenue. So that's Spotify, you know, Apple music and all that sort of stuff. So these kind of numbers, you know, those millions of views equal about that kind of that kind of revenue. And, you know, and I think anyone would be happy to get that. We've got four four people that are in the band. Plus, we have a whole team of people that work for us now. So it gets you know split up and, and goes its separate ways. But that's the kind of numbers that, you know, are possible by building up this catalog of 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 songs on youtube and spotify and we do one one song every week at least again and real quick just out of curiosity i'm, I'm not sure if you if you know this uh, number off the top of your head but i'm curious like you know with spotify with the million streams you sort of can break it down to what like four or five thousand dollars per million streams do you know like off the top of your head like per million views on youtube what that kind of looks like a lot of times you know like if i'm trying to just like ballpark it it's usually like a million streams equals a thousand dollars on youtube mm -hmm. and you know some other platforms it's pretty close to that sometimes you know things go up things go down depends on like what rate you're actually getting on your ads it goes all over the place but mm -hmm. like i said i just i wanted to show that and be transparent and say like this is what is possible you know, and, and it, you don't have to necessarily be a band with four people where you divide it into four, you know, you know, different pots. Like if you were just a, like, I know so many drummers that just put a camera in front of themselves and then make videos on YouTube and they get the same amount that we do. And they have no overhead because they have no producer. They have no other people to split it with. So imagine, you know, just getting an extra $15,000 a month just from making one YouTube video playing through a song on drums. So, I mean, the, the possibilities are crazy. So here's the channel. Now you can see that, right? Mm -hmm. So 1.73 million subscribers. We put out like a video today, an hour ago. That's Superstition. Then we did a Christmas song on Tuesday. So that's two days ago. And then, you know, so we basically go every Tuesday, every Thursday right now. One Christmas song, one regular song. So these are some of the videos that we put out recently. And, you know, they're not yeah, getting like a content content machine. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We definitely have yeah. a system and we'll get into that a little bit. Um, but, yeah, we put out a video every week at this point and sometimes twice a week. So we did some acoustic covers. We did some Halloween covers. We did, you know, all kinds of different stuff. But this is like what our channel looks like. And mm -hmm. as you can see, they're they're getting, you know, hundreds of thousands of views. Nothing really like in the millions of views. We've had obviously some very successful videos, but 
right now, you know, we're just trucking along, you know, putting out videos, getting hundreds of thousands here, there, you know, and then these are our biggest videos of, of all time. So right there at the top is our guns and roses one, 60 million views. That was four years ago. And then we've got 12 million, 12 million, 11 million, 10 million. I don't know. At one point I, I counted how many were over a million, but I don't remember what it was, but you know, that just shows you like that this, this machine, this YouTube machine puts you in front of millions and millions of people, like numbers that you would never be able to see, like just going out and playing shows. And hmm. I, I always tell this story too, that we had a drummer um, that was in the band and you know, these were all younger kids and they basically got to be 18 and then they decided, you know, they wanted to either go to college or they wanted to play music full time. And some of them wanted to go to college and some of them wanted to play music full time. And the one that went to college, you know, I went and visited him and he was he was going to Penn State and, you know, Beaver Stadium is a hundred thousand capacity stadium. And we were driving by there and there, everyone was flooding into there and everyone was like, you know, trying to go to the football game. And it was like chaos. And I was like, wouldn't it be crazy to play a show in front of that many people like that'd be sick. Right. And he was like, yeah, that would like totally change my mind about like being a musician. And I was like, but that's how many people watch our YouTube channel every day. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Whether we put out a video or not, hundreds of thousands of people. So you imagine, you know, Wembley stadium, you know, the Foo Fighters are playing. And what if you were the opening band for the Foo Fighters at Wembley stadium? You know what? You would play in front of a hundred thousand people, but that's how many you can potentially get off of YouTube. That's how many people you can have watch your band and see what you're doing on a daily basis. It's crazy. The amount of numbers that you would see there compared to how you would get famous or a fan base, you know, 20 years ago by just going out and playing shows like they're, they're just numbers that are, they're untouchable any other way. And mm -hmm. it's just like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's insane to like ignore that possibility. And again, it's not like, you know, we're the best band in the world. We're not super great musicians. We're not super special. We're just a small town band that decided that we were going to go, you know, full bore into this and start making videos on a regular basis. We started one video every month and then we did that for like a couple years. And then we found out that we were like getting really good at it. So we did, you know, once a week after that. And then we started to up it to two, three times a week, sometimes at like peak season which is right now, you know, November, December is like when YouTube is at its height. Mm -hmm. So we put out extra videos there and then it calms down in January. We'll go back to one video a week. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, there's nothing, nothing out of reach, you know, to, to, to hit these numbers and do this, you know, as a, as a fan generation tool and yeah, be able to see the same success as us. And I should point out too, that, you know, there weren't, it's not like it was just us. So when I had my music school, I also was like, you know, I want to you know, have all my other students do this. So not only did first to 11 do really well, I had another younger group, they were called Rose Gun Vibe, and they put out a video and it got half a million views. And they only did like maybe two or three videos, but they got hundreds of thousands of views on their first try, completely un, un you know, connected to first to 11 success. In fact, there was this weird time where Glamour Magazine was was watching YouTube videos and then they were taking the actual artists and like filming them reacting to them. 
So it was like Halsey was watching a bunch of covers on on YouTube. And so <laughs> Glamour Magazine reached out to us and was like, hey, your Halsey cover was awesome. You know, we're going to have Halsey react to it. And then like a week later, they were like, hey, my, you know, another band that I did, they were like, your BB Rexa cover is is amazing. Oh, you're back to the whole. Ah, <laughs> angry. <laughs> Halsey. <laughs> <laughs> that set you off. It was Halsey and BB Rexa. But yeah, they then they reached out to us and again and they were like, hey, this cover is really good. Can we feature it on this video? And and it happened to us three different times with three different bands that were here at the studio, completely mm-hmm. unconnected to each other. It's not like I referenced them. They were just found these videos the same way as they found the first one. And then you know, at first I was like, you know, maybe it's only these young kids it's because they're kids playing these songs maybe that's why they're getting views so then i made some videos of me singing and doing some country songs with a friend of mine and then those got hundreds of thousands of views so <laughs> it wasn't really like you know we weren't doing anything amazing we didn't have great camera equipment we didn't have great recording software or anything like that which i'll show you in a little bit too but it <laughs> it worked and then now i don't know if you've heard about this but my son this is in the past like two weeks but my son has an instagram channel and a tiktok channel and he's a a seven-year-old guitar player he plays drums too but he's he's really good he's like insanely good for his age incredibly impressive yeah everyone's channel is now blowing up too and he got 60 million views off of his his most recent video that he did so you know and again completely independent of of my success or first to 11 success he started with, you know, nothing, just like everyone else did, and still managed to gather that many views. So, you know, it's it's all a testament to covers, and it's all a testament to platforms like YouTube, Spotify, TikTok, Instagram, that, that have the ability to just attract these giant audiences and, and give you that exposure. And yeah. a lot of people get, you know, mad, and they say, like, oh, Spotify pays you a fraction of a penny or whatever. It's not really about what you make on those platforms. It's about the the generation of leads and and fans and stuff like that. Because you can convert mm. them to whatever you know, buying T-shirts or CDs or whatever you want to do. But you know, trying to get that many eyes on you is priceless. You know, so I would mm-hmm. be if they said hey, we'll never pay you ever again, I'd be like, okay, fine. But <laughs> still, let me get those. still let me be in the algorithm and still let me you know hit these numbers because it's it's invaluable it's amazing one question that i would love to address because i I know i've seen uh, quite a few questions coming in around this i know that you probably get this question all the time as well is around the copyright issue and the legality of doing it a lot of folks are like you know how does that work like am i able to monetize these cover songs how do i appropriately get the licenses for that you share really quickly how that works yeah yeah i mean that's such a huge part of it too because when we started we were doing this again just as like lead generation we just wanted to get eyes on this band and it was at one point someone just told me they were like hey are you claiming your recording rights and i was like what are you talking about and they were like well if you click this button you claim the recording side of your covers because there's a Mm. publishing side and there's a recording side publishing side is obviously who wrote the song and the recording side is who recorded the song and in our case we didn't write the song but we recorded it it was our recording but if you didn't click this one button you didn't get to claim that recording side so for years on on youtube we were like hey we made four hundred dollars this time 
And <laughs> we, because that was like all we would get, you know, was the leftovers, mm. the scraps, because the, the original songwriters would come in and they would claim their song because it was theirs. But mm. they were also, if you don't claim the recording side, they get the recording side too. So mm. you have to like click that button and say, this is my recording and you can claim it. But yeah, so then that happened and we started making $10,000 a month. Like it literally was like <laughs> a night and day switch. That mm. All we had to do was click this button, but no one told us, you know what I mean? Mm. Like no one, no one, you know, explained that to me. So mm. I just went on thinking you couldn't make money from songs on YouTube, but that's how it works. And it's basically through a content ID system. So like if you're uploading through DistroKid or something like that, there's a little button that you can click that says, you know, add to YouTube content ID. And if you click that button, then that your recording, your audio goes into YouTube's system. And any time that it sees that recording, it claims that as being yours. But if it doesn't know that, again, it just takes the publishing rights and just gives all the money to them. So 50%, like we don't get 100% of our, our ad revenue. We only get 50% because, you know, we didn't write the songs. It's just covers. But fifty mm percent -hmm. is still really, really good. Still fine. Yeah. And oh yeah. When you go to Spotify, it's ninety ten. You pay ten percent mm. of your revenue to the original songwriters, and ninety percent of it you get to keep, which is mm. crazy. And that was what I tried to explain to my band back in two thousand nine. I was like, <laughs> we can get ninety percent of what we make. We just have to pay ten percent to the original songwriters. Mm. And you know, we've gotten to the point where you know, the Rolling Stones and Echo Smith and like nothing but thieves and all these bands, Kanye, <laughs> Kanye West reached out to us. And basically <laughs> they say like, here, do a cover of our song because, you know, we're happy to give you the, the revenue mm -hmm. because it's revenue we wouldn't have made if, mm -hmm. if you didn't do that. You know what I mean? If there were yeah. no covers of our song, we would just make what we make. But if there's mm -hmm. covers, we get an, an additional 50% of this new revenue of, mm -hmm. of someone that's writing this or doing a cover of this song. So, yeah. you know, sometimes they're, they're happy that bands are doing this because, mm -hmm. you know, for 60 million views on that Guns N' Roses song, we've made Guns N' Roses millions of dollars potentially off of that video. And hopefully they're happy because we're happy <laughs> that we got our, our piece mm -hmm. of it. They got their yeah. piece. And that just wouldn't have existed if, if we were like, nope you know, it's not legal to do that, but, but it a hundred percent is, you know, we, we went through it and technically though, most like some artists can say like, there's some that, that don't want anyone covering their song and they still have mm -hmm. the right to do that. So they can mm -hmm. potentially just say, Nope, no one's covered. I think the Eagles are one, the Beatles mm -hmm. used to be one, but I think they're different now, but the Eagles still are. So if you put an Eagles cover up on YouTube, they'll just shut it off. Because they don't hmm. want the additional revenue. They don't care. They don't want anyone covering their song. But almost wow. everyone else is fine with it. You mm. know? So yeah. they still ultimately have the ability to, to turn it off if they want to. But mm. most of the time they don't. Yeah. It to totally makes sense. Yeah, because yeah, it's a it's a win win. You know, where it's, yeah. they're getting you know a portion of royalties that they probably wouldn't get. You know, if they didn't have that ex extra traffic and exposure. Mm -hmm. Awesome. All right, so Ryan, I would love to see a little bit of like I don't know, a crystal ball or a little bit of a, a deep dive into your process because you know you don't get to a point like what you, what you've gotten to without having really great systems and processes and things dialed in. I'm curious what that looks like for you in terms of 
this content engine, like how, how do you, how do you put it together and how do you have that level of output? So we, you know, I can, I can go all the way back to the beginning and we say, you mm -hmm. know, when we pick the songs, when we first started mm -hmm. the channel, we picked only top 40 songs like that had just come out that week. You know, we would look mm -hmm. at the billboard charts because what we wanted to do was try and get out ahead of anyone else that was going to potentially do this cover because we were, mm -hmm. you know, a no name band at that point. So if we could get out ahead of everyone else, we wanted to do that. So that was like when we did Heathens, we did that right when it came out, you know, mm -hmm. right before Suicide Squad, the movie came out right before the song even blew up. So as that mm -hmm. song got popular, so did our cover, you know, mm -hmm. and that was like, you know, we just got in at the ground level on those songs. So if you pick a good mm -hmm. cover and you do it before it blows up, you know what I mean? You rise the success of that song. It takes you with it. And, but if you tried to just your first cover, you know, you wanted to play Sweet Child of Mine, you've got millions of other people that are trying to do a cover of that song. It's going to be tough to you to cut through and get known through that sort of stuff. So mm -hmm. we would pick top 40 songs just to try and be the first one that did it. But now mm -hmm. I think that you could potentially, if you took a classic song and you just did it in a new way, like a lot of people now on TikTok and Instagram are doing like, it's, you know, this, it's ACDC, but it's pop punk or something like that. And they kind of like genre mm. bend things. You know, yeah. that's a cool way to just, you know, now you've got a version of it that doesn't sound like everyone else's. And now you can cut through that way too. So there's, mm. you know, different mindsets as far as like what you're going to do to cut through, but you definitely can't just straight up the middle cover this song exactly like the artist did, because, you know, there's probably a lot of other people that are trying to do the same thing. So you got to do something to separate yourself a little bit at the beginning. So yeah, that's how we, we all just have like a list on our phone. There's, there's four members in the band. We all just have a list on our phone and we're like, you know, when we hear a song in subway and we're like, Oh, I forgot about this song, you know, like we'll mm -hmm. put it in our list and then we'll bring mm -hmm. it up and we try some stuff. Like we'll do some artists and sometimes our fan base is like, what are you doing? And sometimes <laughs> our fan base is like, yes, this is what I want to see you guys do. So we mm -hmm. have a lot of success with like new metal sort of stuff like Lincoln park and breaking Benjamin as well mm. as like some some classic stuff like when we do Guns N' Roses it always does really well mm. but there's weird stuff like sometimes we do ACDC and it no one cares you know so sometimes we try to do the Foo Fighters and nobody cared about our Foo Fighters songs I don't know why they're a great <laughs> band you know we like them our fans I think mm. like them but they just didn't mm. do very well so you find out mm. which bands are good and then you do you know their most popular song and then their second most popular song and just go down the list. There's millions of songs that you can pull from. And uh, yeah, we just put them on a schedule and we just throw them out like three months in advance. So we're like, all right, three months from now, we're going to do this song. That gives us, you know, a month to get the, the audio together, you know, two weeks to get the video together, two weeks to get it mixed and mastered. Like we, we have this schedule at least a month ahead of time of the release. You've got to have the audio done. So mm -hmm. the way that we do it, you can, you know, mix and master your own audio, which I'm not saying don't do that, but we don't do that. We, we basically record everything in logic and we export the, the tracks dry. So there's no guitar amps on it. There's no bass amp. There's no vocal effects. There's no anything. We use MIDI drums which makes the process really easy because we don't have to have like a mic'd up drum set that could potentially get bumped and 
you know, the mix is off. So we do MIDI drums just to make things a lot easier. A lot of people can't really tell the difference anymore anyways, but we've streamlined this process. So there's four members of the band, like I said, three of us that play guitar, bass, and drums. We do our own covers. So I do the guitars, bass, and drums of one song while my guitar player does the guitar, bass, and drums of another song. And my drummer does the guitar, bass, and drums of another song. So we're technically always working on three songs at a time. And then as soon as we finish them, we send them to our, our singer, Audra, and she puts the vocals on all of them because we obviously mm -hmm. can't sing for her. So mm -hmm. we have this process of, of just going through it like that. So we can mm -hmm. do more because we're all working on one at the same time. But realistically, if we all get one or two songs done a month, we can stay in this perpetual motion of putting out covers. And yeah, like I said, we, we try and do it as simple as possible. So our recording setup, so that was picking songs. And then this is how we record them is our recording setup is like, is as bare bones and as, as straightforward as it possibly can be. If you guys know, like a focus, right? Scarlet two I two, that's the mm -hmm. interface that we use. Like the most mm -hmm. basic two channel, you know, one's got a, a microphone plugged into it. One's got a guitar plugged into it. That's all we do. And then we have, you know, some studio monitors and some headphones. And then we use this AKG. This is a 414, but we use like AKG 214 microphones. We were lucky enough to get an AKG JBL Soundcraft sponsorship when we first started. Like four mm. videos into our channel, they reached out and they were like, you want a microphone? And then wow. because it got so many views, they were like, do you want more stuff and you know we've flown out to jbl's like headquarters and toured their the whole thing and like <laughs> they're they've been super cool to us but yeah that's all that's all we use you know we we use logic like we all use max and we all use logic to record stuff now my drummer and my guitar player they both like to use like you know archetype plugins and they you know these different drum sounds or whatever but I do everything with stock logic stuff. So like the MIDI drum kit that I use when I record is it's called the SoCal kit. It's in logic. <laughs> it's like it, I use the same one every time. And then I use like matchmaker is the guitar amp sim that I use. And the modern stack is what I use for my bass amps. And I've done it this way for four years, same presets, <laughs> because when we export, we export all the dry stems. And then my producer who lives in Michigan, he then, he knows everything. You know what I mean? He's like a, a wonder kid of, of production. He's worked with like huge, huge bands and, and he blows my mind at how much he knows about production, but he, mm -hmm. he puts whatever amp sim on it and whatever drum, you know, library he uses and he mixes and masters everything. And then we get it back from him. So if you, if you've never done that before, basically there's a service called like sound better, or you can go on Fiverr or anything like that. There's tons of excellent mixing engineers that are just sitting, looking for work. So, mm. you know, you can pay a hundred dollars for a mix or $500 for a mix, but you get something amazing back, like something better than, than what you would probably ever be able to do. Uh, because like, I was like, Oh, I'm going to be a, 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 you know, a whiz with logic and I'm going to mix and master everything myself. And I just, I'll never be as good as those guys. Like they're, they're so good. 
So I just leave it up to them. You know, that's something that I have to know that like, I would love to do it, but I'm not, I'm not the guy. So that's something that I outsource and I just send to everyone else. And if you're not a drummer or you're not a guitar player, you can also hire like different studio musicians through some of these services. Like you can hire a guitar player to play guitar on your, your track, or, you know, you can use the, the, the AI drummer in logic, you know, you can just record all your stuff to a click and hit a button and logic will just put drums to your, your song. So it's, <laughs> it's, you, you want to think that, Oh, I can't do this because I don't have a drummer. I can't whatever. I'm not a mixer. Like, with a little bit of money, you know, you can, you can fix all of that sort of stuff. And I'm not talking about like thousands of dollars, like a couple hundred dollars per song, you know, can give you really quality stuff. But mm. even still, you might get away with not having it be that quality. It depends on what kind of music you do. We do modern rock stuff, so it needs to hit really hard and be really tight. But like if you're an acoustic singer songwriter, you know, it could sound like you recorded it in a bathroom. That's cool because that's what some singer songwriters go for. So it's not necessarily everyone has to do that sort of stuff, but that's just what we do. So we, mm. we send all our stuff off to be mixed and mastered. But like I said, there's so many great resources for, you know, if you're, if you're not a drummer or if you're not, you know, proficient of this or that, or you can also do this thing. There's something called karaoke version where basically mm. someone already created a cover of the song and they use it for like karaoke tracks, but you can download the individual instruments from whatever song. Let's say you want to do smells like teen spirit. You can just take the vocals out and there's the whole cover of smells like teen spirit ready to go for you. And you can pay again, a small fee. It's like $10 or something like that. And then you can use their tracks in your YouTube videos or your Spotify. Hmm. You know, you can make a cover of the song without even making the cover like you don't you don't mm. necessarily have to and mm. we use it or i use it not everyone uses it i i use it as like a way to like frame up the song so if i'm doing a cover i'll drag in all the karaoke tracks and then i'll just replace them as needed so like mm. let's say there's like a, a saxophone part or something like that i'll just pull in the saxophone part and then i'll learn how to play it on guitar and then i'll replace the saxophone you know, mm. so it's just kind of like it's a great way to hear the individual pieces of the song without having to like squint and try and like get it, you know, perfect by listening to just the original recording. Hmm. So, wow. yeah, pulling stuff in from that karaoke thing is mm. is in, it, it invaluable. So if you're just a singer, you can pull in those karaoke things and you've got a version of you singing the song now that you can post mm. on TikTok and Instagram. And again, it's mm. it's legal because you paid for the rights to use that that backing track. And, you know, you can start gathering fans that way. Mm, super smart. There's a, I see some really cool AI tools coming out that kind of let you create stems from existing mm -hmm. tracks. And that idea of using it as a way to quickly create the frame and the outline. I think Band Labs has one that's really amazing. Yeah. You just you can put any track in it, but it exports the stems for you. Yeah. So Moises is the one that I use. Like if I'm trying to do a cover of the song, I'll just pull it into Moises so that I can hear the drums really well. And then I'll mm -hmm. just go in and program them the way that they are. Mm -hmm. You know, if we're doing a straight up the middle cover. But uh, yeah, I did want to... But you learn so much too about production and arrangement just oh, by doing yeah. that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, 
like I said, I wasn't a phenomenal musician going into this, but <clears throat> I do feel like I've, I've learned so much just from deconstructing and reconstructing existing mm -hmm. hit songs. If you really just like took away all of the individual things that are just first to 11 and how they do it, it would be like one month ahead of time, get your audio done. Two weeks ahead of time, get your video done. Upload to Spotify, playlist pitch it, and put it on YouTube. Like that's mm -hmm. really just, there's like four steps to it. So yeah. it, and if you're doing it on TikTok, then you don't need to do anything. You know what I mean? Like you just need to record it, make a video and put it up. Like there's mm -hmm. like when I make my son's videos, there's no, there's no process because we could do it literally at six o'clock and post the video at six 30 because you know, all I usually do is just raise the audio a little bit and, and that's all it is. So it can be as simple as you want it and it can be as complicated as you want it. It just depends on what your thing is. You know what I mean? Like if you're, you definitely don't need to have an, such an elaborate thing is like what we do. Cause I think that most people in, in modern musician are, there's probably not a lot of like gigging cover bands, you know, in, mm -hmm. in modern musician, there's probably some, but mostly it's like independent artists and stuff like that, that, Mm -hmm. You know, do this sort of stuff on their own. So it can be, like I said, as easy or as hard as you want it to be, but it just needs to be out. You just need yeah. to put it out. We didn't really get into the video side of things with, with first to 11, but I've always strayed away from like the big theatric like videos and all I've shot are like our original videos are just, you know, us playing in a room, you know, it's just the band as if you came to one of our practices and you're just watching us practice. That's the way that I shoot the first to 11 videos. So it's like, you know, there's a front facing camera, there's a side facing camera, there's a guitar camera, there's a bass camera, there's a drum camera, there's a whole band wide camera. And we just, you know, cut those in and make the video. But the important thing with the first to 11 videos that I think made them a success is that Audra looks into the camera. You know what I mean? Mm. So I think a lot of people are like, oh, she's connecting with me. You know, it's like I'm there watching the practice. And mm -hmm. I think that's one thing that I've I've tried to help other people get their YouTube started. And they're like, they create these like very elaborate, you know, storyline videos with like, you know, it's just a lot of moving parts, <laughs> but no one's really connecting with the singer of the band, you know, or the members mm -hmm. of the band. And mm -hmm. it's, it's, you know, some are moving so fast and there's so many cuts that like, you never really get a good look at, you know, what the singer is and it is the singer enjoying what they're doing. So there's a lot mm -hmm. of things like that, that I think are huge and, and overlooked, you know, where people are like, oh, I have to have the best camera and I have to have, you know, lighting and fireworks and I don't know, all kinds <laughs> of like ridiculous stuff in videos. But really, if you just put yourself out there and be like, I really enjoy singing this song. People are going to connect mm. with that and they're just going to, it's going to be a, a different sort of uh, response and, and reception to anyone that sees it. You know, especially mm. I, I want to be cool, but I know that I shouldn't, you know? So it's like, <laughs> if you're trying to be too cool in your video, sometimes it puts mm. people off and it, it's, it's, I, like I said, I would love to be cool, but I think that it's just, it doesn't work for me. So. I try and be as genuine and, and open and smile. I think as you're much cool, Ryan. I, <laughs> I think I think you're very cool. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And I think like a relief 
for a lot, a lot of people too, that, you know, it's, it's probably a lot more work to have to come up with elaborate, crazy oh, yeah. you know, scenarios versus just being authentic. And uh, one question as it relates to that is around, do you normally, when you film your videos, do you have like the same kind of setup around you and you just record the different songs in the same studio or do you like switch between studios often or what do you recommend people do there? We, we probably do four videos in the studio for every one that we do outside the studio. So we okay. try and do, you know, something every month that's outside the studio. So <laughs> I, uh, I'm a giant <laughs> like kid still. So when we started doing successful or doing really well on YouTube, I just used <laughs> like our success and, and to just play around. So like <laughs> some of our videos, you know, we just bought go-karts and inflatable racetrack and we just drove them around in the parking lot. And then another video, we got remote control cars and drove them around in the parking lot. And then we went and played laser tag and we just goof around, you know, like there's no mm. point in doing this if you're not having fun mm. and enjoying yourself. So we, you know, we go to different like eerie locations. Erie is where we're from. And we go to like, you know, this mansion for our Christmas videos that's like all decorated for, you know, the holidays or, you know, we go stand in front of a house that has a bunch of Christmas lights. Um, and, you know, we just try and mix it up a little bit. It helps us get better at making videos, being in different environments. But then, you know, we also have our setup in the studio where we can walk in there 30 seconds, you know, before we start playing and we can be set up because our lights are already there. The backdrop's already there. The drum kit's already there, you know, and it makes it really, really easy to make the videos. And I could talk again at, at length about the process of making the videos and how we've made it as efficient as possible by having like two cameramen shooting two different angles that don't get in the way of each other. So we really mm. only have to shoot the video four times, I think, to get mm. eight shots that we eventually compile for the whole video. We also use fake drums so that it's not insanely loud in the studio when we record our videos. So I put paint protection film underneath the bottom of the symbols. So they look like regular symbols, but they're dead. They're completely muted and all the heads are deadened. So like when you actually play the drums in the video, it's just it sounds like nothing. And I have like my in-ears in so that I can hear the, the bass like extra you know, good. And I can hear myself making sure that I'm playing the right notes. Because I think everybody knows by now that all music videos are synced. You know, they're not the actual <laughs> audio. So, you know, we take pride in in trying to play everything as accurate as possible. We don't just like, whatever, we're playing. You know, we're actually <laughs> playing the songs. So Yeah, it always makes me laugh. I don't know if you've, if you've had this experience, right? I'm sure like a lot of us had it as, as musicians where you can so obviously tell when someone isn't a musician and they're trying to like pretend <laughs> yeah. to play something on a TV show. Like in show, every Disney like, movie piano, ever. They're like, <laughs> like moving around. Like, There's, no, yeah. like, that's not even close. <laughs> never, never wanted to be that guy. So, you know, before mm -hmm. we shoot a video, I have like 30 minutes to an hour set aside for me to sit down and just learn the song. And because we learn so mm -hmm. many songs, it's one in mm. one ear out the other. Like I learn mm -hmm. it just long enough to to film the video and then I never mm. have to play it again unless we end up playing it live. So, mm. you know, it's just a process where it's like if I try and learn the song three days before we shoot the video, it's I'm going to forget it. So I learn it 30 minutes before we shoot the video so that it's fresh in my brain and that we play everything accurately and then 
by the time we're done, it's gone. Got it. I mean, I'm sure with the level of, of the frequency of songs that, that you're creating, learning how to perform them really quickly is a valuable skill set. You know, you yeah. can pick things up very quickly. Cool. Well, Ryan, this has been awesome and super inspiring. Yeah. Thank you for, for sharing a little underneath the hood of everything that you guys have, have built and congratulations again on you know, creating the channel and thank kind of starting you. from scratch. And despite the challenges and despite the level of doubt and, and skepticism, really yeah. like you stuck, you stuck through it and you really deserve the platform that you've built. And yeah, once again, Ryan, thank you so much. Do a round of applause. Hey, it's Michael here. I hope that you got a ton of value out of this episode. Make sure to check out the show notes to learn more about our guest today. And if you want to support the podcast, then there's a few ways to help us grow. First, if you hit subscribe, then I'll make sure you don't miss a new episode. Secondly, if you share it with your friends or on your social media, tag us. That that really helps us out. And third, uh, best of all, if you leave us an honest review, it's going to help us reach more musicians like you who want to take their music careers to the next level. The time to be a modern musician is now, and I look forward to seeing you on our next episode.